Hang on. Hello, Zed. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, my God, it's the 27th of January. Can we say that? Yeah, of course we can. I have seen you since the start. That is true. 2022. It doesn't matter. Happy New Year to our, our, our Bang fam. Our beautiful community who oh, we've missed a lot. I know. I actually, a lot's happened. I mean, my life's pretty loose anyway and this is probably <laughs> the only thing that has some regularity out to it, so I've missed that. Structure returns. <laughs> I think that's something that resonates with a lot of Bang fam as yeah. well. In fact, a lot of people messaging me this week asking for our opinions on certain things, so it was great to be able to tweet back, we're back this week. We're back this week. Oh, and I just love that people want our opinions when really, <laughs> when really they mean nothing. Our opinions mean nothing. We're just having a chat, but it's lovely to be in a position where, you know, people feel like they're, they're part of the conversation with us, which is really nice. 100%. Yeah. Did you have a good break? Oh, well, like I said, my life's pretty loose at the moment anyway. But um, I've had a great time. I've just been mostly pottering around the house, doing stuff, like stuff that you wouldn't notice, but just gardening and fixing things and organising things. And, and But then also, as you would know, lots of people have been coming out to swim in the river, which is literally five minutes drive from my house. The secret swimming spot. Oh my God. You found the local swimming spot yeah. just weeks after moving in, yeah. which is the the golden jewel in any sort of move in when you're inland yeah. and it's a hot summer and you can just jump in the river nearby. Changing my life. It's Changing so good. my life. It feels so good. If you get a chance, go and swim in a river. It just, it, there's something really calming about it. And also you get the chance to wear Crocs. That's right. We <laughs> wore our Crocs that I got you for Christmas matching down at the river, but I'm not the only one. Like we thought it was funny when we both went down in our Crocs because the, the bottom's pretty rank. I mean, they're perfect. They're all-terrain shoes. They're and amazing. this is the, I would say, only time Crocs are acceptable when you need them for <laughs> river crossings. I maintain my distaste for Crocs uh, outside of the house or for river crossings. I, look, I've totally come around and, and, <laughs> and I'm not alone. Everyone down at the river has got their Crocs, their own Crocs. It's it's a thing. It's also happening. very good flotation devices we oh discovered. God, yeah. Grab a pool noodle behind well, and the Crocs the out front noodles. and you're basically on a lilo. <laughs> you brought the pool noodles and it, that again has changed my life too. <laughs> So, 2022 highlights. Yeah. Pool noodles. Pool noodles. Two for six dollars at the local supermarket. Yeah. A dollar dazzler. Great. Um, and Crocs gifted for Christmas, as you've been threatening to for years. I know. What a great summer. Oh, what a great summer. And <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to aside from coming out and having a swim at my place? Well, I've been trying to jump in as many bodies of water as possible. Good. Weirdly, I've been going to the beach more since moving back to Melbourne than I have in Sydney. When I lived for, in Sydney for like. 14 years. That's and I, funny. What, what, what's that about? Because you can frigging get a park. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> and the parking doesn't expire after an hour, <laughs> which you use most of it up walking to the beach from the parking spot that you've managed to get. And you're not lying. Like in Melbourne, this is the thing. I think it's this is why Victorians struggle with Sydney beaches, and, and I certainly did when I lived in Sydney. I'm just not used to sharing that um, tiny space with so many people. Yeah. Everyone goes to the beach. So you're literally lying next to somebody yeah. when you go to Bondi or or. or any of those those beautiful beaches, but too close. So like when, you know, Terence in his very tight budgie smugglers does a turnover <laughs> to, to tan and base the other side and you cop an eyeful of Terence's oyster, sorry, scallop, um, it's not okay. From When you're from Melbourne and we don't really know how to wear bathers mostly, togs, whatever you want to call them, um, 
It's very confronting to go to a Sydney beach where everyone's just got it all out for everything. There was a few times this summer where I saw a couple of people with their shirts off, just harking oh. back to you talking last year about when oh. you dated someone who just took his <laughs> shirt off and every time we saw someone, <laughs> Jeff would say, hey, it's Miss Boyfriend. <laughs> I saw one yesterday as well. I was like, no, dude. It's he been was, hot. He was just wandering a suburban street. You can't do I went that to in visit Melbourne. a friend. And I was like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Are you having a meltdown? <laughs> <laughs> no shade on anybody who takes their shirt off. No, Good for you. Take it off. Nudity. Free the nipple. Nudity is fabulous. I'm certainly not dissing it. It's just. I think when you come from this part of the world, yeah. it's a little more confronting. It has been nice to have a good swim, though. The water temperature is. Um, strangely warm, which makes mm. me worried for the future, but I'm taking it because usually it. it's absolutely freezing right. in the southern parts of Australia. And when I haven't been jumping in bodies of water or reading books, I've been watching lots of TV, mm. I've been, which we're going to talk about, I think, um, throughout today's Bang On, but I just got to give a shout out to Queer Eye. Oh, I haven't watched the new oh, series yet. I've been like spacing it out because I don't want to burn through it. But just, I've been bawling my eyes out. Oh, see, I can't know. But in a good way. <laughs> in a good like, way, It's it? a really good season. Yeah. It's set in Austin, Texas, a place that I've been to many times through going to South by Southwest over the mm. years. And the people of Austin are awesome. It's great to see them on show. But also just, you know, after the last couple of years, it's not until sometimes you get a show like that back, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know how much I needed this. Yeah. Like, it's just so wholesome. I love them oh, all. And I'm finally catching up 12 seasons in. I'm finally on board with Great British Bake Off. Oh, my God, it's happening. I've, well, I never had access to it. Yeah. But I've finally got a login from a friend. And have you? <laughs> and I can Is it Bang Fam? Because um, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, that's awesome. So I've just gone straight into season 12 because that's what just yeah, wound why up. Not? And I'm just, why you know, not? You don't have to go from start to finish. Just let it be the soundtrack to your day-to-day. Oh, my God. It's just so good. And you know that I bought a stand mixer recently, so I'm going to go in Oh, you hard. are baking. When it starts getting a bit cooler, the oven will be going back on and I'll start baking. Okay. Well, I'll expect the fruits of that <laughs> when, I, when I come into your place to record A bang on baking week is on, on the cards. <laughs> have you been watching the... Sex and the City reboot, though. This is something that just dropped right before we went on a break. Oh, my God, have I been watching it? I'm, I've gone from being absolutely kind of dumbfounded, confused, occasionally like just looking through my fingers at it, to now I'm actually really enjoying it. Those first two episodes were hor- horrific. It was horrific. But it's come good. It's come good. And I, I don't mind, like I think I'm more at one with them being incredibly flawed, Carrie being incredibly selfish, mm. uh, as if... Her the death of her partner uh, in one particular episode was more important somehow than than Miranda's the death of Miranda's relationship because mm. you can't get them back and I'm like oh my god that there can only so, be one winner so freaking selfish and and Miranda just being an absolute doofus which she never was in the show so once you kind of acknowledge that the show was never about us these people were always kind of hateable in certain ways mm. even in the first the first run you know they were never perfect but we all I, but like Spice Girls we all chose who we were are you mm. a Carrie or are you Samantha or you're Miranda or are you Charlotte like yeah. they were like so many other ways that women are in pop culture whether it's music mm. or, or television or, or film there's one personality for each of you they to relate defined to by that and there was a singular thing but are you yeah. saying that maybe we didn't necessarily we felt on the outer of all of them yeah, I think so. Maybe I didn't, you know, I, I, or maybe we didn't know that it's okay to not identify mm. with these types, you know, and and that they're more complex and layered than just types. Yeah, 
And I, I'm kind of enjoying seeing that and I'm enjoying seeing older women on television. And, yes, it's, you know, predominantly privileged white older women Um but I do feel like the show's branching out into some interesting characters and I don't hate it anymore. Yeah, I think I that, really like, enjoy it. <laughs> the, the kind of crowbar approach to the first couple of that episodes where they were trying to recreate, correct, you know, the past 20 years of what the show was or 30 years. Really. And that Samantha shit was just unacceptable. Oh, she would so never, awkward to watch. Uh, she would never ghost. She would never ghost. She would never ghost. I know we've said this before but I can't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Samantha. But, the yeah, the the characters which, you know, felt very, um, I will say tokenistic in the first couple of episodes have bedded in and have become great characters. Mm. Um, so it's awesome to see that the show is finding its own feet. I actually really, I was talking to my bestie the other day about this and mm. he was sort of pointing out that, um, you know, he'll just, he'll watch it because he just loves loves those characters. It's yeah. like being with friends. Yeah. And it's not horrible like we thought it might be from those no. first two episodes. And so we will. And that's what they bank on. That It will come back because it's the familiarity, it's nostalgia, which is something that um, more than ever people are leaning on in terms of what sells, particularly during the pandemic because yep. we want to be reminded of happier times. Um, and frankly, I just love looking at New York real estate that I'll never be able to afford as well. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and clothes that I'd never be oh, able to wear clothes. or afford. Although I just feel like Miranda's getting dressed like a grandma and it's really making me unhappy because she was never that either. She was never as dull as she seems in this series. Yeah. She was. She had a bit more fire about her. She's And she's starting to show up but she seems so dottery and kind of, oh, I'm not sure. Not, she was never like that either. Charlotte's still stuck in the 50s in her dress sense as well. <laughs> she's been shopping at Review. <laughs> it's a very Review look for Charlotte, isn't it? The A-line dress, the little cardigans. Oh, absolutely. But Charlotte's turning out to be probably the most accepting of all of them in that she's taking the time to understand her child is grappling with gender identity. Mm. Yeah. She's she's saying that women shouldn't apologise on the tennis court because they have to apologise everywhere else in life. Like I'm kind of enjoying the evolution of of her character too. We love it too much, don't we? <laughs> oh, we are in. We are 100% in. The other thing that everyone's been talking about over the break is Wordle. Oh, yeah, I've got one on the go now. I was hoping you might be able to help me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, for like most things on the internet, I just kind of you sort of see it niggling away in the corner and then it gets mm. louder and louder. And I still haven't partaken directly. Um, my boyfriend's been playing it and asking me, and, and I know that a lot of other people have, but mm-hmm. well, have you solved it for today yet? No, I haven't. And since it'll, this will probably go out late tonight, I'm not sure if I should ask you for your help. <laughs> but if anyone's listening tomorrow, there's a new wordle each day. Yeah. So, but there's only one, so you can't give away the answer. But can I ask you? It's, yeah, ask me. Okay, the letters are T-U-M-O, not in the right spot, any of them. Um, that's what I've got so far. So I've got four letters. Mount. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> First wordle. Smashed it. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. That was not planned. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my God. 
You got it. Well, it's basically, yeah, you got to guess a five-letter word and it tells you if you've got the letters in the right spot or the wrong spot. Um, <laughs> Maybe because we were just talking about sex in the city and my head's in mount mode. <laughs> Who's mounting who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, know, I know Charlotte was checking pe- uh, penis for cancer, but... <laughs> I don't know who's mounting here. That is amazing, Zen. Thank you. No worries. I'm maybe here. you should play it. Um, well, maybe I should play it. I, I do like the idea behind this game and, you know, my cynical mind at first thought, like, why is everyone playing this and is it becoming this viral thing? But there was a great little backstory on the New York Times about the guy that started this. And I wanted to give it a shout out because if you haven't seen this, it is just so wholesome. It's what we need right now. Mm. Um, the guy that started it, is na- his name is Josh Wardle. Mm. So it's a play on his own surname. And basically during the pandemic, he knew that his partner loved word games. They used to play the word games in the New York Times all the time. So he decided to create this guessing game just for the two of them. And then he shared it in the family WhatsApp and they loved it. Mm. And then it started getting bigger and bigger. um, And he decided to put it onto the web, onto the internet. Not an app though. That's the interesting part as well. It's not an app. No. It's just a web page. Really basic. Yeah. And on November the 1st uh, last year, 90 people played. Two months later, 300,000 people were playing. And I think it's fair to say at the end of January, where we are now, millions would be playing around the world. And the thing that I love about this is that he, he noticed that people were starting to kind of use emojis with the little blocks to show what, how they'd gotten the word mm-hmm. without showing a spoiler online. Basically, this is my wordle. So yeah. showing the blocks as they represented on the website. So he designed a way for you to easily be able to share that on social media, but didn't add like other people had suggested, you should add a link to the website. Mm. It's just like, nah. I There's just, no engagement. No tricks. engagement, no. no advertising. I love that. It's so relaxing. No one's pressuring you. No one's sending you a fucking email from a fucking... <laughs> Subscribe How now. How did we do? Like, yeah, I, I've just spent like half a day unsubscribing from all the newsletters that I get. They'll still I don't come even, back. I know, but like Wordle asks nothing of you other than just a little game and it's It's the beautiful. most wholesome thing I've seen online mm. in years. Like just, and I hope that it stays that way, that there's no monetization of this, that it just becomes this little spot, this little corner in the internet that has been something that's special for John Wardle and his partner <laughs> and now Wordle is taking off around the world and that's just it. That's yeah. it, the end of the story yeah. and it just becomes this thing. It's really So cute. wholesome. I love it. And we got the word today. Thank Mount. you. <laughs> Amazing. Some people might be listening. Oh, sorry. Mount. In the afternoon. <laughs> might need a spoiler. Oh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on to more serious issues, Zan. It's mm. been a huge couple of days with Grace Tame saying goodbye to being Australian of the Year yeah. for the last year and ama- an amazing Australian of the Year, I have to say. She, One of the best ever, I'd say. Extraordinary, I think. In terms of advocacy and literally giving a voice to the voiceless, encouraging mm. others to speak out, just mm. phenomenal. Yeah, she's amazing, absolutely amazing. And it was ended with obviously a press photo opportunity where Grace was asked to meet with the Prime Minister and the Prime Minister hasn't particularly been a great advocate for Grace's during her time. Mm. In fact, I think I think it's pretty clear that um, the government has made it quite difficult for her. They held a summit during the year on family violence and, and child sexual abuse and she was not invited. Like that's a pretty clear message, I mm. think. So there, there's, there's bad blood. There's windy hallways between the two, you know, where they just, they would they would not pass ways otherwise. So the photo opportunity, whether or not it was organised, I'm not sure. Um, 
but it, it was part of the job, I think, to go and say goodbye before they passed over to the next Australian of the Year. And it didn't end well um, in so many ways. I think, I think for Grace, we've seen the photos everywhere of her not smiling, um, still shaking the Prime Minister's hand doing yeah. all of those things but not smiling, yeah. not, not looking like she's having a great time. Mm. And the country is divided, wildly divided into two camps. For some she was ungracious and for others she has been amazing. I'm in the amazing camp. Mm. I'm like I'm done with trying to please people if I'm not pleased myself. Mm. But it's taken me until 50. Grace Tame is 26, is that Around right? Around that, Yeah. yeah. And I think this is an amazing step, a huge step, huge step for women in this country to finally go, well, look, I don't need to smile for a photo op if I don't feel like And it smiling. is a photo op. Let's just remember that. It's a yeah. photo op. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I just think this is huge because we're uh, the way I was brought up is you do all these things to, to make the peace, to be nice, to keep people, you know, feeling better about themselves no matter how you feel on the inside. And I, I don't know, she, she had every right to not want to smile in that situation. Or as Amy Romakis says, who writes for The Guardian, the politics of civility, mm. you know, this idea. And it applies particularly to women in being told yeah. how to act, crack a smile, love, all that sort of yeah. stuff. give us a smile, love. Yeah, you yeah. know, the, these sorts of, um, you know, this behaviour of not, not what I would argue is not betraying what she stands for, which mm. is if she was to smile and shake, you know, she did shake hands, but if she was to smile and play happy, then what message does that send to all the people that she advocates on behalf of? Um, mm. You know, that that would be a betrayal as well. She was being truthful about how she felt. And that was Amy and, and Carrie Bickmore on the project a couple of nights ago. You've probably seen this. Um, if you haven't, it's well worth Extraordinary chasing telly. down. Just phenomenal. I was watching in real time and I, I haven't had a moment like that in forever. Like it was just extraordinary. Do you want to explain what happened? Well, it was basically Peter Van Onselen, who is a regular on the project, is a journalist, and he'd written a think piece, an editorial in The Australian that day about how he disagreed with the way that Grace Tame had behaved. And mm. he used words like childish, uh, immature, that she had... Rude, ungracious, all those all those words that we've all heard before, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure if boys or men get it as much as, as women do. No, absolutely not. And he, this piece was obviously very um, inflammatory, divisive, you know, the kind of stuff that newspapers love when these editorials go out. And he was on the project that night with Amy and, and, and Carrie uh, and also Kate Langbrook. And Amy was talking about that, like the fact that, you know, in these situations, women constantly have to come out. They have to talk about their trauma, their position, how they're not taken seriously, and then are constantly being told how to behave and how messed up that is. That we're, we're constantly have to having to code shift and make it easier for everybody else. And then when people don't take us seriously, we're the ones who've got to arc up and remind you of the imbalance and inequality um, and just how exhausting that is. You could mm. see the exhaustion. I felt the exhaustion when I was watching it too. It's just like, when is this going to stop? He, Peter Van Onselen said, if you can't be polite, don't go. If you can't show basic courtesy, I think it's immature. And this is where Carrie Bickmore called him out. Oh, she's and I thought, amazing. And this was something that I hadn't considered when watching it at the first time, but she's absolutely spot on. You know, when he says she acted like a child, as she pointed out, Grace Tame's childhood was stolen. And she pointed out that, you know, saying that she acted like a child, which is something that I hadn't thought of, 
um, until I saw her say this was, you know, her childhood was stolen. So how does an article like that help to talk about that when you're trying to stop violence against women and children and to forget about the whole context of the situation, who she is, what she stands for, what she's been through, and then just throw out, oh, that's a bit immature. I mean, pull your freaking socks up or just shut the hell up. I don't... Why do we keep on hearing men's opinions about women? <laughs> Just I know. shut up. And they think that we want to know. And it's like, actually, no, this is where it ends, I feel. I feel like there's conservative commentators putting this out there, but so many people now are just going, no, Don't that's it. not it. Don't want it. That's not it. And I really feel like the tide is turning. And this is another really interesting angle I hadn't thought of. Uh, Kara Schlegel, who I follow on, on Twitter, has who is herself autistic, wrote, Grace Tame is autistic, like me, and what's being left out of this conversation is that autistic people have to fight every single fucking day against this nonsensical and genuinely harmful culture of civility in order to just be ourselves. And uh, in, in my very little understanding of autism, being able to mask feelings and things like that when you're in incredibly high-pressure situations can be sometimes difficult. Yeah. So what we haven't taken into account and what all these commentators haven't taken into account is also that. Yeah. You know, and um, but she also doesn't, shouldn't have to, shouldn't need to, it shouldn't have to have that backstory either. Yeah. Because, I saw that because, tweet from Cara and I was so glad she said it too because, because women it was so missing. don't have to smile for men if they don't want to. He centred himself in every part of his defence too and that's something when I look back at it again because I watched it a couple of times, he actually looked as though he, like when you when it was split screen mm. and I was looking at him, he looked like he just did not understand, that he could not fathom what was being explained to him and there lies the problem and I'm mm. just trying to figure out how we get over that problem where yeah. we've seen it at the highest offices in the land. If you, don't, if you can't have empathy mm. for other people's situations, then how do you move forward yeah. in changing it better and when you're in a position of power? And I just, like it was, com- he completely didn't get what they were talking about. But there was one particular part in this brilliant piece of television and this incredible articulation from Carrie Bickmore and Amy Ramakis that I wanted to play with you because I was going to paraphrase this but there's no way I can mm. do it better than, than Amy herself. This was the part where she really dismantled what PVO was saying. You attempted to a police a woman who lost all agency as a child where she was groomed and told how to behave and she has since come out and made her entire adulthood about not behaving in the way that other people think that she should, that she's going to be true to herself and because of the politics of civility, you wrote a column in the National Masthead slamming her for that. You said she shouldn't have gone. She has every right to be there. She has every right to show her feelings and if she doesn't want to be part of a politically staged photo op she doesn't have to smile to make other people feel better and not hurt their feelings it's absolutely ridiculous and you should know better Peter because you got upset over an incident with the PMO and went on a pretty big tweet campaign about it and nobody was calling you out for being juvenile or childish people were actually praising you for standing up for yourself it was that moment was a television, like, revelation. I think we haven't had a moment like that in such a long time. Uh, Amy was just so succinct and yeah. and nailed it in her anger because she too has experienced sexual abuse. And I think there's so many people have just had enough, yep. had enough. And and the outrage, it, how does it make you feel like people just, it just, I'm so angry about the outrage over this 
and I can't, I couldn't find a humorous angle on it, like as to why it's happening. And I, there's one tweet that's been shared a lot, which I loved. I don't know who it's from. I don't know who Vidyar is, but this was awesome and it made me laugh and it's so true. Lol at all these Aussie dudes who think they're Ned Kelly, but pop an artery when Grace Tame doesn't smile at the PM. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Well, speaking of men who have opinions on what women do, say, or don't mm. do, did you see the news about Damon Albarn and Taylor Swift? Oh. Yeah, Damon Albarn has just been recorded in an interview, so the words are there, saying that she's uh, that Taylor Swift's not a songwriter because she co-writes most of her songs. Mm. I think he literally said she doesn't write her own songs when mm. he was this conversation. Oh, yeah, and, the, and the interviewer corrected her and said, she does. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, double down. It's co-writes. It's co-writes, co-writes. yeah. And they're not the, that's not the same as songwriting. But what, what's So right? someone who's one of the greatest collaborators in the world and has I co-written know. with just about everyone who walks this earth. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, gorillas. Is that not a co-write situation? It's a um, different myth. Is it his own band? Was that not a co-write situation? Or is it <laughs> different. because... Why is it different? <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's not pop music. And it's women. Yeah. Women, women in pop. Women, women in pop music. You know, and, and so she tweeted and I just loved it, um, called, called him out for that hot take that he made. Um, she wrote, I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all of my own songs. And if you listen to Taylor, you would know that. this yes. It's so personal. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really fucked up to try and discredit my writing. Wow, she wrote. P.S. I wrote this tweet all by myself in case you were wondering. <laughs> And then he backtracked and said that he'd been reduced to clickbait um, despite the fact that, like, the comments were exactly what he said. Yeah. There was no clickbait here. It wasn't reduced to clickbait. And also going on to say that he preferred the work of Billie Eilish, like... There can only be one myth. You've got to choose. Yeah, you've got to choose. You can't have two two women who are vastly different who write incredibly different songs to it to one another like why on earth that would be brought into the conversation and in fact she also co-writes with her brother mm. I think that's how that works yeah. um <laughs> and uh, you know it's a schmozzle you know who I love on Twitter Kira Peru she she wrote the best thing too I've, I've just been enjoying people other people's comedy because I feel like I'm just lying flat on my back going are you fucking joking is yeah. this still happening <laughs> Alban saying this is straight up misogyny. Taylor co-writing with producers is literally no different to Billy writing with Phineas. The only difference is that Billy's a cool girl and Taylor gives horse girl vibes. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I say on the horse girl vibes, bad segue into country music, what you say is true. Anybody who's paid half attention to Taylor's career know that she is lauded for the songwriter she is because she has written it by herself since Mm. she was a young teenager. You know, she's Mm. got a whole section of the Country Music Hall of Fame dedicated to her in Nashville, Tennessee. I visited the Taylor Swift Library. Of course you have. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And... And if you, I think that just that thing of, first of all, men talking shit about women, but worse, if you're going to do it, then do your freaking research. Mm. I hate to bring do your research into 2022, (laughs) but know your freaking product. Like, don't, if you're going to. If you're going to drag a woman, know why. Yeah, exactly. And also, just shut up. We don't want to hear it. I've had enough. Oh. Can we talk about something a bit happier? Yeah. You know what it is. First show off the bat, a fashion update 
What a oh. treat, Nick. Oh, what a treat. And and we've been, as you said earlier in the show, people have been pulling at our coats to to discuss this fashion moment that's happened this week. Which Hugging at amazing. our coats, have they? Uh, they have. Like little bang fam children. Pull on, <laughs> pull on, I've got to pull on your coat Auntie about Nip, something. Auntie Nip, Auntie Zan, tell us about Kanye and Julia. Julia what are they doing out Kanye there? Kanye and Julia Fox, his new girlfriend, Julia Fox, who um, she was in the movie Uncut Diamonds. Mm. She's an actor, a performance artist too, uh, which is something I wasn't aware of. She's very committed to her craft. Real quick, you will like this. She's been hanging out with Madonna, which you might have seen some great photos of all of them. It looked like a really boring time too. The re- just sitting on a couch. Very well lit. But the reason that they've been hanging out is because Julia Fox is going to portray Debbie Mazar, who is an actor that you, we, as soon as I say that name, people will be like, who is that? Who is that? And mm. if you Google her, you'll know she was huge in the 80s and 90s in particular. She's Madonna's real life bestie. It's going to be a new Madonna biopic and Julia Fox is portraying Debbie Mazar in that. There you go. So there's my hot tip. Oh, I love that hot there's tip. There's a little coming soon. Oh, to a this. cinema near I you. Just, I just got goosebumps. It was like you, or a streaming you can, service. You, yeah, you can predict the future, Zan. So, <laughs> so what do you predict of the future of Kanye and Julia Fox? Is it is it a real relationship or is it, as one commentator is describing it, that this is a new way of us consuming product, that this is actually all a construct? and Specifically fashion? Specifically fashion but through all levels and different audiences. We've got politics covered. We've got, we've got relationships. We've got children. We've got, um, we've, well, we've got this new relationship. There's, there's money. There's, there's power. It's, it's like a new form of storytelling and that, and that the Kardashians and, and Ye and, and all of those are in on it. Mm. Because that's how they get the really high-end brands. The really high-end brands have also opted in on this to make sure that their, I guess, their wares are getting out to the right people. And the drama keeps us watching. And the drama. It's like a film but it's real life. Yeah. But, like, it's it's all. getting very close to Matrix territory, I'm just saying. I know. (laughs) But it's an interesting theory. It's it's highly possible. And and they did turn out, yay, and um, Julia for their first outing together as officially as a, as a couple. Mm. Sorry, I said couple like I do for my <laughs> um, Wearing denim, double denim this week. How was it? How good was it? And her double denim was a jacket that had the Madonna cones with the boobs. That's a little nod right there, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. His was like one of those big boxy denim jackets that I reckon was very big in the early 90s. In fact, I definitely wore one, oversized. Mm. Oh, absolutely. But then cinched at the waist. Cinched at the waist, yeah. And they follow a great tradition of couples that just start dressing like each other. Mm. You know, Brad Pitt used to do it with all of his ex-girlfriends, um, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jennifer Aniston. They would just start looking the same. Yes. Uh, who oh, else right. has done it? Of course, Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker. Oh. Lest we forget Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, which um, we're not even going to go near the engagement. That's too it's too big a conversation to have. Oh, oh, my God. But they start dressing the same as well. It's this whole thing of like twinsy couples dressing. And Pete, add Pete Davidson to that mix, which is Kim Kardashian's new partner, and they're all the same men. They all look the same. What, punching above their weight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Like seriously. I know, I know. But what, what is it what about women have to put up with in order to get a root? What, what, <laughs> what is it about, I mean, this one in particular, we're going way back in the double mm-hmm. denim of, of this fashion. Oh, yeah. Brittany and Justin. Oh, my God. They did it well, first. Well, they were the OGs, weren't they? <laughs> the double denim OGs. With the patchwork denim dress. Oh, my God, dress that was amazing. And the amazing the Canadian denim, tuxedo. The, the denim Stetson hat was the... <laughs> I think, was it a Stetson or was it a, 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 like a train driver's cap? I can't remember. 
But anyway, this this was pretty good. You know I had a denim train driver. I hope you did. I, I know. Oh, yes. True, true. Did you ever dress like a boyfriend? Did you ever dress like someone you were dating? Mm. Or conversely, did they ever dress like you? I doubt it, no, because I'm short and round. Most of my boyfriends have had some length so they can get away. They Your can... boyfriends have had some length, I know, they? I didn't mean that in the wrong way, but I mean in terms of height and that would look, they would look ridiculous dressing like me. Um, no, have you? I, I borrow their clothes sometimes maybe, jackets and stuff. Oh, yeah, I love a good boyfriend hoodie mm. into that. Yeah, but no, I, I think I'm more likely to start looking like my dog because <laughs> that can happen too because you start using when you're in someone else's company, you know, people start using the same sort of facial muscles. So I'm, I'm sure I'll probably start looking like my dog soon. Or the cat. <laughs> I'm going to put this image of Julia Fox and Yay, how he's mm. now officially known, legally I believe, in their double denim. It is a sight to behold. How do you feel about the eye makeup too? Because they had another in, another um, appearance where this is a new look. Chanel was sporting it in the latest runway runway event that's mm. just happened in the last day or so. And it's this. It's not just even smudged eyeliner. Like it's it's just madness. It's like you got a a black stamp of just nothing and just plonked it on. <laughs> Like just no, like there's no eyes. words on it. It's just, but it's up the top, and it's just sort of, and it obviously took hours, but it didn't look like that. And that's where we're headed, eye wise. It's a big deal. I think the pandemic has changed us. I'll see you next week. <laughs> They're like bat wings or something, but really unconstructed bat wings. Oh my god! On your eyes, and that's that's what. Um, Julia's been sporting and okay. that's that's where it's at. So. All right, I'm going to put that in the show notes as well and definitely Google that as soon as I'm done here. Okay. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, I had so much to choose from over the holidays. I read lots. Well, I listened to lots of audio books while I gardened and paint stripped. Love it. That's fun. Um, never paint strip a bathroom of tiles. It's not not fun. Um, but I thought I would recommend the telly series. Love Me, which has been out for a couple of weeks, I think, or a month or two. On Binge on Foxtel? I think it's on Binge. Is yeah. it on Binge? Yeah. It's, yeah. Love Me, which is on Binge. And it's a gorgeous Australian production based on um, a European series or story ah. at least. But they've given it Australian characters and um, some really, really, really great people. Hugo Weaving plays the the older character who who falls in love for a second time, and then it's it's his daughter and son and and their kind of relationships. And I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was involved. Lovely. And apparently, it makes Melbourne look beautiful. Nice. I, I saw um, Brody Lancaster, who's a great writer, tweet when it first came out. Um, I've seen more of Melbourne in Love Me than I have in the last <laughs> two years of pandemic. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> but it, it looks beautiful. It looks I've been great. meaning to watch it but from the short bits I've seen it looks yeah. amazing. And it's nice. It's kind of like Sex in the City and maybe I'm getting old but I kind of liked seeing older relationships being played out as yeah. well. And I, I think that's important Yep, because it, it happens yeah. and, and the complexity of family life too and the relationships of within family life. And I know that it was a, it's, a, it's based on another a European series but it's been written by Alison Bell who is Oh, also, she's fantastic. Yeah, she, let, she wrote The, the, let the down. Letdown. Yeah. And so there's some really great people involved in it and it's just beautiful. Great. I love yeah. Boyana too. She's an amazing actress. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. So, and what about you? What are you banging on about? I've been reading heaps as well and also listening to audiobooks. Mm which I've been loving, particularly on long drives and while doing the gardening. Um, So much to choose from, but I wanted to bang on about a book that I just finished last night, which is came out about six years ago now, but I finally got around to reading it. Kim Gordon's biography, Girl in a Band. God, it was good. If you haven't read it, it is very much the full story of, of her life till now. And I 
like I think many people, have always been kind of terrified by Kim Gordon. She's the coolest person on stage. Mm. Um, she's fierce looking and she's the kind of person that you sort of look at her and go, oh, I wouldn't want to cross her. Well, she wouldn't smile if she, she wouldn't feel like smile. smiling. And in fact, she never did. She didn't look like she suffered fools, that's for sure. Exactly. And I loved that about her and I kind of wished I had that back in the 90s even. Yeah, she's looked very steely. But this biography just gives me a whole different perspective on her. You know, it's the story of her of her family life, of her childhood in California. I had no idea that she was such a California girl and loved the environment mm-hmm. and the kind of life that she grew up in. And also her passion and commitment to being an artist. I really didn't know that much. I knew that she'd done more kind of um, avant-garde mm. music, but I had no idea about her visual art career. And that was the part that she really was following but the musical part is the one that took off and she's now gone back to that visual art um, passion and also just how you grow up and grow into a scene and how that scene changes I loved all that from Mm. she's a bit older than me and you know when I sort of started getting into indie music in the 90s Sonic Youth were already really established compared to other bands I was getting into but yeah it just um it was just amazing to get a different perspective of that and the people that were in it and the people that have become friends for life and what they're like. Because, again, I'm just a fan who's looking from the outside in. Mm. But one of the things that really struck me was when she talks about this perception of her as being this steely, hard woman and how, you know, her demeanour was really the product of very high anxiety and fear. Yeah. You know, she, and I don't think that that's uncommon. The more artists that I speak to, particularly artists who are over 40, who have been able to reflect back on their 20s when you're not going to give any of that stuff away, Mm. they often say that. Like I spoke to Alex Lloyd the other day who, Mm. when we replayed The Hottest 100 20 years ago and he was sort of saying, you know, the when I was, when we were having that big moment with Amazing um, and I was touring and stuff, everyone kind of thought that I was an arsehole that I was arrogant, but I was just scared shitless. Mm. And I think that happens more often than we realise. Well, I remember talking to Gary Newman, like he was was huge in the 80s with, you know, here in my car, (laughs) all that stuff. Like, and and, um, was it Tube Way Army was his other group? He was a huge pop star, like bought a couple of private jets for himself, like, but everyone thought he was an asshole. And what he said was it wasn't that I was just really embarrassed about any that he wore a lot of makeup because I was really embarrassed about my skin and my teeth and and that's why I never smiled and you know all that stuff plays into how people present themselves and and it goes back to the Grace Tame incident we don't know what's under the surface no it's not our job to judge that yeah and it's not our job to decide how people should behave Mm. if they're not looking like particularly warm and inviting. Mm. Like, why do we need to? Why? Do, why? Why do they need to do that? I think if you approach every meeting with someone with the knowledge that everyone's got their own shit going on, mm. that gives you a lot more context and empathy. Yep. In the conversations you have, I loved this book. Um, it also talks about her split from. Thurston Moore, mm. who um, I have my feelings about him after even before reading this about that whole. Uh, the way that it ended because it, it it seemed devastating and certainly from reading her perspective it was pretty rough but um, I even thought that she wrote about that with a lot of nuance. She yeah. gave him credit and appreciated their creative partnership separate to their romantic mm. and the end of their romantic relationship. I remember also being at a festival once in, um, in 2007. I was, it was this bizarre experience where I was covering a festival um, in Norway 
in Oslo and for Triple J right at the start when I started working at Triple J and all the artists and the media were all staying in the same hotel together and so I'd get in the elevator each morning and I'd be I'd inevitably be in an elevator with like a band as they were all going down for breakfast. Mm. Like one morning it was hot, hot heat and then one other morning it was um, the Gordon Moores. Because you know what, if, if any, what people don't really understand about bands is regardless of how late they've been out the night before, if there's a free breakfast. You're turning there, up to the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the best buffet <laughs> breakfasts I've ever had. Do you Scandinavian buffet breakfast for oh the win? Oh, God, yes. The bread, the salmon, Yum. all of it. But... Yeah, Kim and Thurston and Coco get into the elevator and I'm just standing there and I'm freaking out. And it was even then just such a brain shift because I'd been so used to seeing Sonic Youth just shred, be, you know, insane, incendiary on stage. Mm. And here they were, this little family unit going down to have buffet breakfast. And it was just a reminder of the, the very big lives that people have and what we see isn't necessarily what the reality of it is. So I love this book, Girl in a Band, Kim Gordon. If you've, like me, been looking at it going, I've heard that's good, read it. You'll rip through it. It was so great. Just wondering though, did they go back for a second plate? Are they they that kind of family? Because you want them to be. Everyone went back for a second plate at that buffet. (laughs) Greatest buffet in the world. So good. Hey, good to be back. Oh, my God. I feel like we could have talked about three times more. but a bit long. Save some for next week and, um, yeah, it's so good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you So good to be with the Bang fam again. Do it again next week? Next week. on you've been listening to an abc podcast you can discover more abc podcasts live radio and exclusives on the abc listener